Warning, this podcast will probably feature spoilers for many, many episodes of Doctor Who. Today we are discussing Series 1, Episode 3, The Unquiet Dead, by Mark Gatiss. <laughs> really? I thought it was Gaddis, but it's actually Gatiss. See, this is, I just, re- yeah, I just, re- I just realized that we haven't actually said his name aloud because I've just posted it in the text chat repeatedly. <laughs> More like I'm not even Gatiss. surprised you find that funny. I'm not even surprised. <laughs> um... You okay there, Avery? We'll take that as a yes. <laughs> His name is Gatiss. <laughs> this is the highbrow okay, quality content you come this for. Is just, this is just getting rude. I'm fe- I feel uncomfortable about this. <laughs> so anyways the episode okay so this is uh rose's uh first (laughs) 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 you you think we should re-roll that no that's perfect (laughs) we'll just cold open cold open okay Okay. You're listening to the Back to the TARDIS podcast, a retrospective podcast discussing every episode of the ongoing 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. Today's episode is Season 1, Episode 3, The Unquiet Dead. Welcome to another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we watch every single episode of the 2005 revival of Doctor Who and talk about them in a really long-winded manner. I'm Jeff. I'm Sky. Uh, uh, Ivory, yeah. And today we are discussing Series 1, Episode 3, The Unquiet Dead by Mark Gatiss. So this is uh, Rose's first trip into the past into Cardiff in the 1860s, which is uh, the first mention of Cardiff, the city where the show was produced and mostly filmed in for many years. Um, And it's worth noting that I think some of us have, uh, all of us have like differing opinions on this episode. I think it's fine. It's an okay, fine episode. Um, 
one of the the best things is that there's the the cold open for this is really good just because of the way that like you know you have your your standard like oh the zombies corpse coming alive and strangling people whatever and the the undertaker runs in and is like oh no we have another we got another one <laughs> and there, i think there's a line later on of the stiffs are getting lively again oh that one <laughs> okay i swear i'm not gonna start laughing again but <laughs> god bless sex joke yeah yeah um so yeah that's i yeah i think it's like it's worth noting that like i feel like it's weird because part of me thinks it's filler but like part of me thinks that there's also like there are some like interesting things specific to this episode and i've remembered this episode a lot clearer than i have a lot of doctor who's other filler episodes I can see that. Like, we'll, we'll get into this, but sort of like the, the plot structure, and I think the Gelf are somewhat memorable. But yeah. Are they, um, though? Right, well, I remembered them, but whatever. I did not remember them. Well, I yeah, fine. <laughs> That's fair. But um, I love how, like, they, they, they lampshade this, and, you know, normally with the other doctors most of the time when they go back in time they're dressed in a sense that's like only slightly weird but of course nine which is who is very very modern with his his leather jacket and stuff like demands that rose go and change into this fancy victorian dress and he just walks out with the same leather jacket and t-shirt no, no, he's no, like wait, oh i changed di- my jumper i yeah, changed my changed jumper it, okay it was a different one <laughs> get it right man mine um, is minimalist respect yeah also there's there's a really nice there's a really nice callback here to when rose uh puts her dress on and and the doctor's like, you look beautiful, considering that's that's a callback to a, a fourth doctor episode where he tells someone you're attractive uh, for a human, probably. <laughs> I did not know that. Makes yeah. sense. I mean, it, it may not be an intentional one, but I, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah, I like what Rose wears in this episode because I'm I'm always a sucker for wardrobe changes. Um, not <laughs> a not a big fan of her like possibly probably being groped. Uh, glad they call it out. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, that was I mean I guess in character, but I was just like, oh, that's that's a moment. Yeah, but also uh, it was like played up as a joke and like yeah, yeah. Oof. This this is the part where I'm not surprised by the fact that this episode was co-written by one of the co-creators of BBC Sherlock. Oof. Amazing. <clears throat> uh, also, um, there's a, a character in this episode uh, named Gwyneth, who is a Welsh servant, who is played by Eve Miles who plays the lead role Gwen Cooper in Torchwood, which means that this is technically the first Torchwood backdoor pilot. There is three of those episodes in this season. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) She does a good job, um, in my opinion. I mean, it's hard to make a role like that 
interesting, but she's very earnest in, like, her backstory and wanting to help people, and also having this terrifying ability that, of course, moves along the, you know, mystery box bad wolf plot along, but is also, you yeah. know, relevant yeah, to that definitely. episode. But, plus, <laughs> yeah, props to her. Plus, plus, um, I vividly remembered like this is one of like there are scenes of this episode that i didn't remember as well but i really remembered the scene where she looks into rose's mind and like tries to interpret the vision of london from like an 18th century or sorry a a 19th century perspective like that that that's always like stood out to me as as interesting writing i mean I didn't find it interesting. It felt like pretty standard, oh, you know, person from 200 years ago is finding about the present. Oh, oh, the metal birds. It's like, it felt like the most vague standard way to do that trope. Yeah, I I mean, I I think her acting might save that then. But anyways, it's appropriate. Yeah. It's appropriate given that she's not like a high, like minded scientist person because even like even some of the smartest people around in like 1860 or 1760 even those smartest people would probably barely scratch the surface but i i agree the the presentation isn't or i should say like on paper it isn't amazing but she does well enough uh conveying that it's like way out of her like scope yeah, I felt like the uh, the sort of one-off actors in this episode were pretty good. I mean, not not some of the more side ones, but you know, the Dickens actor and her. Yeah, she, she Simon like, Callow. Yeah, I felt like those two were very good in their roles, and I felt like it helped the episode a bit. Yeah, I could be making this up, but I think that Dickens actor had played Charles Dickens before in something else. Maybe it was like a theater thing. Let me look. But he was like Hold used on. to it. I might I be making that up. I. I have his IMDb page right here. I'm going to look it up. Um, but while I'm doing that, um, I think, oh, he actually reprises his role in a, in a, in a, uh, 11th Doctor episode, apparently. Very briefly. Okay. He has played Charles Dickens a shit ton of times. Hang on. Let's, let's count this. One two three four five he has played charles dickens five separate times in five separate things imagine that being your typecast like oh i I always play villains i always play charles fucking dickens (laughs) weird flex i mean it's a if you're gonna be tight, like he found his niche, like <laughs> let like let a man live his life. <laughs> but yeah, I fe- I mean that explains why he was very good in the role. But you know, I I was wondering like how much of the uh, sort of the portrayal of him was accurate to how Dickens actually was. Like was yeah, was Dickens actually like an edgy new atheist type guy? <laughs> I think he might have been. Yeah, I think well because I I believe he was very scientifically minded. Um. Also, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yes. This is the first episode in a long-standing RTD tradition of the Doctor hanging out with celebrated uh, English literary figures. 
Oh yeah. And it's like it's just RTD. Like it it stops with Moffat. It's just with RTD. You have Dickens, Shakespeare, Agatha Christie. Is there is there another one that I'm forgetting or? Those are the big three that come to mind. Yeah. And so it's 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 literally like that's three out of RTD's four and a half seasons <laughs> that all have an episode where they hang out with celebrated British literary figures. Actually, no, there was going to be a fo- there was going to be four because if I remember correctly, a scrapped idea for a christmas special was going to have them hanging out with actual real life turf jk rowling oh god oh fuck (laughs) they were actually going to do that i think i mean is it kind of bad that i kind of want to see what that would be like (laughs) yeah i mean you know 10 years ago they probably wouldn't have called it out but like That'd be pretty, you know, uh, fucking, you know, once she dies, Doctor Who episode where they go back and they, they have a little joke about her being a vicious turf and, you know, the doctor's like, oh yeah, that's bad. That, that'd be cool. You know, let's wait 30 years for that witch to be dead and we can have that happen. Yeah, no. And a video game TOS. Yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah. Do we want to talk? No, go ahead. No, I was going to say, do we want to talk about like. Because to me, one of the things that makes this a little bit more than filler is that uh, kind of like you were you and I were talking about, Jeff, before we officially started, that the what the Gelf want and how they're able to trick the doctor. And even like beforehand, just the question of like, what are the ethics of letting someone like like basically repurpose dead bodies and the doctor taking kind of a very materialistic approach it's just like no one's using them anymore kind of thing which is kind of a sentiment we don't really get from the doctor all that often yeah any other doctor that i could think of would have found another way whereas nine's like well you know they got involved in this shit war and i'm a shell-shocked veteran of that war so yeah i'm gonna help him out even if it turns out that you know, like, the haha, they're evil plot twist. Like, you can see it coming, but the twist in itself isn't what's interesting. It's the fact that they actually managed to convince the Doctor to go along with it. And that's a very good character point, I think. I've, I felt the complete opposite. I thought it was fucking stupid. <laughs> Which I mean, part? I, I like, think yeah, a... just the, the fact that they, you know, they... Well, not only that, it, like, muddles the point, kind of, because, you know, like, was the point that you shouldn't have let them do that? Like, what's the message there? It just feels like it got muddled in the pursuit of having a twist. I mean... That's fair. I, I don't think there's necessarily, like, any specific message there. I think it's just a story, but it, it, and in, in this not case... Having a, in making that sort of, like, you know, bringing a moral quandary into that, and then not taking, like, sort of doing something that muddles like is there a position here is there not a position i don't it just felt like weak writing that they like introduced something to like make it seem like intellectual and then refuse to take a position on it or even not even like refuse to take a position on it but just like kind of fucked it up and like made it all muddled i I think you're getting what i'm saying i'm not doing words too well definitely i suppose the way i would probably improve that is that the message i guess i would and I'm looking into this. I, I too much into this. I will fully admit, but like that. 
and the and there are kind of future episodes like this where like even if there's a possibility of being stabbed in the back by by a disadvantaged group you're trying to help out you should still always lend that hand but th that conversation is never really had to Avery's point so I'm not going to argue that like, yeah. that's what the episode is doing but to me that's that's the vibe I get the, and again I'm not saying that's, that's the message like, want to get out of it yeah exactly I mean, I'm not I, I so get... I'm not saying I'm definitely not you know going to give the episode like a positive or say this is a good thing because the episode doesn't do that it's enough of an interesting idea that I remember the episode especially because again they do end up managing to uh trick the doctor um but it's yeah it's 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 definitely very middle of the road for me because of things like yeah. that and i i think i think you know i think the doctor would have helped them no matter what the incarnation i think just nine's perspective on the bodies thing is a very specifically nine thing like most of the other doctors would have come up with another solution and like you know i don't remember character moments from like other filler episodes as clearly as i remember some of the stuff from this episode and of course i know avery you didn't really remember anything i had so, no idea what this episode was until i saw the preview last week <laughs> yeah so this may just be me remembering very vividly when i first watched it at the impressionable young age of shit 10 the impressionable age of shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, close enough, honestly. <laughs> I, I mean, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. look very fondly on much. I don't look back very fondly on much of my life before 2015. So, Oof. Uh, I guess we should sort of talk about some of the other scenes, just going through the episode. Yeah. Um, um I think, and you know. I haven't seen uh, Shakespeare Code or uh, Unicorn and the Wasp recently either, but I do like the interactions between Nine and Charles Dickens. Where like, you know, that he's he's like gushing, he's like such a big fan, and Dickens doesn't get that, and there there's a line. Uh, oh yeah, how are you? How are you? Uh, or wait, I have it right in front of me. No, it means fanatic, like devoted to you. Uh, and then he was like, "Mind you, I've got to say that American bit in Martin Chuzzlewit. What's that about? Was it just padding or what? I mean, it's rubbish." And he's like, "I thought you were my fan." And then he just goes, "Ah, well, if you can't take criticism." <laughs> and 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 how he gets sidetracked when like they're getting away with Rose, and he's like, "Oh, oh shit! Right, we gotta we gotta go after Rose." <laughs> He just sort of, yeah, he has this little, like, fanboy moment. I mean, I, yeah. I do think this episode had some, like, very interesting moments and some very strong moments, but just, like, overall, I found it to be a bit of a mess. Also, also, there's there's one in here where he introduces himself as the Doctor, and Charles Dickens looks at him and is like, you look more like a, a Navi, which I believe is supposed to be, like, Navy, like, slang for someone in the Navy. Yeah, Jack Harkness yeah. makes that joke again, doesn't he? Yeah. Like, were you supposed to be a U-boat captain? Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely see that one. That's he. <clears throat> the duster does go well with that vibe. Yeah. Or not duster, yeah. whatever it's called. Yeah. 
Like, there's more development. Like, Charles actually kind of has an arc, and I think Agatha Christie has a bit of an arc, but I can't really remember what Shakespeare does in the Shakespeare Code other be than, gay. like... Yeah, be gay, hit on Martha. He, um, saves, the, he saves the day, technically. Because, yeah, sa- like, words are power, day- technically, yeah, sa- in that episode. Feed him Harry Potter lines. Ugh. Getting through the Shakespeare Code is going to be fun, let me tell you, knowing what we know now about J.K. Rowling. Oofies. Expelliarmus, um, motherfucker. <laughs> just like, I don't know, uh, what was I going to say? Um, fucking, okay, somebody else talk. <laughs> Save me here. Yeah, and I, I do like, I like that charles dickens is the one who comes up with the plan like and it's it's not like a it's not like a here's our guest star and we're going to have him come up with a brilliant idea no it's something that he works it out in and it's in character yeah that's what i and i think that's why probably a lot of people, I know a lot of people that are kind of tired of like, the doctor meets this historical character, but I think it works when the story that's around them plays to their strengths as like why they're, um, you know, a notable person. And sometimes, you know, solutions yeah. are just pulled out of the, the character's ass or the writer's ass or whatever. But I think it, um, people kind of unfairly critique something like, um, you know, the inclusion of Charles Dickens, because, yeah, he... Yeah. And it's not it's not like he's, like, instantly all over everything. He still has to catch up like a normal person. He's just like, oh, my gosh, the supernatural is real. You know, he might think it's, like, magic, but, you know, even though it's aliens, but still, he's, like, flipped out. Um, yet he's still, like, when the cards are down, I think that's the phrase, um, he's able to come up with something. Um and uh which yeah. which caps off a very lovely uh character building scene uh or interaction between uh Rose and Nine probably my favorite moment in the episode when they're both cornered um so i know i just went a bunch of places but um yeah that's it's probably it's fine we're all we're all a mess yeah um, true <laughs> and, and and one thing that i will say it's less i like you know that this criticism is less about sort of charles dickens involvement in this episode and more sort of how the new series did its historical episodes and like you know when classic did pseudo historicals they weren't really all that much better but i think with uh modern who's kind of way of setting up historicals of okay this is going to revolve around not like a culture or a time as much as a single historical person or like one or two historical people um their picks were all like really like basic and white and boring like it's like oh the shakespeare charles dickens agatha christie winston churchill but Chibnall's era, you know, as much as much as I have other criticisms of Chibnall, I think who they've picked for historical episodes has been very good. Like, let's talk about Rosa Parks. Let's talk about the Partition of India. Let's talk about these two badass women who did really cool shit and don't get the credit they deserve. Yeah, I think that that is a, a very good point. And I, I mean... To to your 
point. Obviously, I think all of us have our big issues with season 11, but those historical episodes that you're referencing were two, like, those were the two strongest episodes in that season, in Agreed. my opinion. Yeah, hell, I'd argue Demons of the Punjab is, like, an all-time, like, classic episode, even if it's in an otherwise kind of underwhelming season. Yeah. But anyways, back to the episode we were actually watching. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, the, I, one thing I will, I, I, another bit of, like, positive feedback for this episode is that I think it was a lot better at recognizing the limitations of its CG. And yeah. I think it created a, a, it sort of set up an antagonist that was easier for them to portray. You know, the gases yeah. obviously didn't look perfect, but it looked a lot better than, you know, the melty trash can or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I did enjoy, I did enjoy the visual aspect of, of the, uh, the enemy, the, the, I mean, I don't, I don't want to say villain, but like the antagonist of the episode, um, yeah. and just sort of the idea around it, I think was good. You know, we're sort of just like coming back to the time war again and again and sort of, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's getting repetitive now, but you know, at this point it's been, you know, three in a row that it's sort of got brought up. And I guess it's sort of the same plot, too. Like, you know, it's a refugee from the Time War that's, you know, threatening Earth because they got kicked out of their thing by the Time War. <laughs> yeah. And You think the Gelth argued it was their constitutional right to invade the Earth? <laughs> yeah, see, I mean, that, that's the thing. I feel like I feel like a, a lot of my issues with this episode is that for every, like, good bit in it, I feel like there's an episode that's done something very similar far better. Um, fair enough. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I think... Plus, as... You know, as I've said, like, Mark Gatiss is kind of like a mid-writer, aside from, like, there are some... <laughs> there are some good episodes that he's written, but, like, the majority of it is just kind of mediocre. Yeah. I mean, like like I was gonna say, my, um... Probably my strongest uh, part of this episode would be, I mean, the, the whole ending sequence is good. You know, like like you said, I think I enjoyed Dickens coming up with his plan. I enjoyed him enacting it and, like, sort of being the, the person who, like, brings things together and saves their asses. And then I like, you know, his character progression through the episode and sort of his portrayal at the end, you know, sort of realizing, like, damn, you know, like, I, I don't actually know all I think I did. And, you know, I have a new lease on life. I'm going to go, like, enjoy it. And I'm going to go see my family because, you know, that's what really matters. I felt like that one was a bit yeah. of a leap from, like, I don't know all about the world, so I'm gonna go hang out with my family. But you know, it was sweet. I like that. Um, and Man, then just, if I just if I survived if I survived an alien an alien invasion, I would like immediately go hang out with my family and friends. I mean, that's valid. Yeah, I get that. I just I felt like the uh, the the right. I felt like that leap wasn't made too well. But whatever. I don't care that much. Yeah. But I was gonna say my my like specifically my favorite episode thing was this where he is you know where he sort of asked like doctor do my books last and he's like yes forever that, that was sort of my yeah. like oh you know like yeah it sort of ties the, his whole little arc together but yeah. you know back to my original point proto back to, it's it's a it's a prototype of vincent that, and the doctor yeah fuck you that's that's what i was gonna say you know <laughs> back to my point that for every good part in the episode i think there's an episode that's done it better i feel like that was basically just like an idea that was sort of jammed in there and then gets like you know obviously vincent and the doctor does that far better <laughs> so yeah. i mean yeah i think that's my main criticism of the episode it's just like there's a character arc that goes very well i think there's a good sort of concept behind the antagonist but just tying it all together sort of <sighs> yeah 
So, I guess, moving on to ratings. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's it's a mid-episode. I don't... I feel like, for one thing, I'm not really sure, like, how I'd, like, ratings scale these, because I feel like I wouldn't give any Doctor Who episode other than, like, Sleep No More anything below, like, a five. <laughs> Because, like, I just think in general, even, like, mediocre episodes of Doctor Who are still really good episodes of, like, anything else. It's just that, like, Doctor Who's standards and track record is so high most of the time that it's, yeah. So, you know, it's... I've I've always remembered this episode. I haven't remembered it as clearly as other episodes, but I've always found it pretty memorable for something that I consider to just be a filler episode. There's some good character bits in it. There's some good acting. It's technically a backdoor pilot to Torchwood. Uh, six and a half out of ten. A uh, solid C. No, I don't fucking know how letter grades work. Moving on. <laughs> so, yeah. I would agree with basically all of that. Um, one thing I would say, there's there's a lot of stuff here that I think is okay, but has a lot of potential. And since I'm a very story-minded person, my tendency is to carry the potential more than the episode might. Um, so it's probably why I look on this episode more fondly than it than I perhaps like would would like quote unquote objectively rate it. Um, stuff like. Um, Gwyneth like sacrificing herself and kind of being the sacrificial lamb for the doctor's mistake in this episode in some ways um the doctor and uh Rose's chemistry as always are on point and are probably my favorite part of this episode the part that I think is the most solid aside from the guy who does Charles Dickens who's really good and he should be because he's yeah. done it five times um <laughs> but uh yeah in the end I think I'd I think I'd um I think I'd do a C plus, so pretty much same as Jeff. Yeah. Uh, oh, I do just want to throw in that this is also like the first time I think that they mentioned the uh, Cardiff sort of time rift or whatever it's called. That Correct. Comes up yes, which which will come up again at the end of the season and in season three, as well as the rift is a major plot point in both seasons of Torch. Well both seasons of torchwood that are actual like seasons and not a six episode long uber dark story arc <laughs> well anyways uh i mean I, I think i already went through all my points about what i think about this episode i think it had some very high moments and i think that there was a lot of good concepts put into it but overall there just wasn't the writing to connect it and a lot of the high points have uh, are based on ideas that are done better in other episodes and it sort of jumps all over the place with these good ideas without ever really putting them together so i'd probably give it like a five yeah that's what i'm going yeah, with. yeah that's yeah that's fair um so yeah uh well okay so are you guys going to be good to record just like an extra length episode next week because next week is a two-parter or should we just do like two recording sessions next week and just release like two episodes like back to back? I think we should I, I mean that's basically the same thing, isn't it? I think I'll well, I think I'll be good well, to well, do an extra yeah. long 
um, sesh. Well, so. I mean the the one the one thing with doing an extra long session is that I think logistically we'd have to start a bit earlier, which I'm not sure Avery could do, mm. or um, watch the episodes uh, ahead of time. Yeah, I think I could. Yeah, because since I I have forward warning, I'm pretty sure I can just watch the episodes beforehand. Yeah. So yeah, I think what yeah what we do is we both watch the episodes beforehand and then get started early and then just do like a shit. Uh, depend. Well, I mean, depending on how long the episodes give us to talk about, we could run anywhere from like an hour to two and a half, three hours. It really depends. Um. But yeah. Next week, we will be covering the first two-part episode of the Revive series, Aliens in London and World War Three. which, who boy, um, I remember things about this episode. Some are good things, some are not-so-good things. I remember a disturbingly high count of fart jokes. <laughs> fart jokes. <laughs> Hey Avery, let's let's just get one last one in for this episode. Mark Gatus. <laughs> I'm gonna put an effect on that last one. It's not gonna be the based RTD effect, but I'm I'm gonna put something on that one. You're doing the Lord's work, Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so yeah. Uh, we will see you all next week for an extra long episode of Back to the TARDIS. <laughs>